Breathe on us, breath of God, fill us with life anew, that we may love without us love and do what thou wouldst do. I hope that's all of our prayer, and I hope we pray it just about every single day of our lives. My name is Al Brady, and I want to welcome you to this service tonight. Again, thank you for joining me as we seek to turn a studio into a sanctuary to worship the living God. Please call a friend and ask them to join us. Our scripture lesson tonight comes from two passages, from Psalms and from Luke. Would you hear, please, these words? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Now my head is lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in this tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. And then we read now from Mark's Gospel. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. 
and leaving the crowd behind, they took with him in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so the boat was ready being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me for prayer? O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, which art thy strength and our redeemer. Amen. It's an absolute bestseller. It's literally in everything. It's in weather reports, the nightly news, political elections, job loss, health care, automobile recalls, the economy, terrorist threats, rising crime, spreading wars, Ebola, and out-of-control drugs. You name it. I'm talking about fear. Fear literally sells everything. If you just do this or that, you'll be fine. And by the way, whatever happened to the words of Franklin Delano Roosevelt in his inaugural address in 1933, when he said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And I remember I was preaching not long ago in a small town, a series of services. And one day during lunch, an elderly man came up to me and he said, I know what it is to be frightened. The interesting thing was that I had not even talked about that in any of my messages during that week. He went on to say that he had been a fighter pilot in World War II. And he flew out of an airfield that was the closest to Germany. And he said, for 14 straight days, the German Air Force bombed their airfield. And he said, finally, seven of their pilots were so fearful they couldn't even fly their planes. He said, I know what it is to be frightened. And this is just one illustration of a factual reality. Does anybody doubt that we live in a world of fear, that we live with fear itself? Take heart and hear the words of the psalmist. In the midst of his fears, he says, yet I will be confident. Yet I will be confident. That's what we need, confidence when we're facing our fears. Listen to the whole verse here. Though a hosting camp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. Isn't that what we need? We need the confidence of God, and he will give that to us as we face life on a daily basis. And then listen to this from verse 6. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies round about me. That is a beautiful picture. My confidence shall be in God who is all around me. Yet I will be confident, the psalmist said. So how do I develop the same confidence that the psalmist is talking about? Well, I want us for a few minutes to look at what the psalmist is saying and what other biblical writers are saying. First of all, the source of our confidence is God. The source of our confidence is God. All of us need more of God. When our fears cause panic, it is a good sign that all of us need more of God. Note that the psalmist faced his fears. His first thought was of God and of God's protection, God's guidance, 
and God's deliverance as well as his strength. Listen to the psalmist's words. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. What the psalmist is dealing with, only God can meet. Only God can meet. Barbara Brown Taylor, in her latest book, wrote these words. And I think these words have a lot to say to us today. Listen. There is a divine presence that transcends all your ideas about it, along with all your language for calling it to your aid, which is not above using darkness as the wrecking ball that brings your false gods down. But whether you decide to trust the witness of those who have gone before you, or you decide to do whatever it takes to become a witness yourself, here is the testimony of faith. Listen to this now. Darkness is not dark to God. The night is as bright as the day. Darkness is not dark to God. The night is as bright as day. In Mark's Gospel, we read about an incident where the boats are out on the sea, the disciples are in a boat, Jesus is in the boat with the disciples, and he is asleep. Suddenly a big storm comes up, and the waves rock the boat, and the disciples become very fearful, and they do the only thing they know to do. They wake up the master, and they say, Master, do you not care that we perish? And Jesus immediately rebukes the wind and the waves, and he says, Peace be still, and there was a calm. Just peace be still, there was a calm. Now, if we interpret this story in a literalistic sense, this is a marvelous story, but it only happened once, and it really is of no use to us here tonight. But if we interpret this story in a literalistic sense, then this can happen again and again and again. The disciples' fears grew calm when they trust in Jesus. To voyage with Jesus in a storm is to voyage in the calm, in the calm. That is a marvelous message for all of us. Some time ago, a friend called me on the telephone, and I could tell that his voice was not usually like it was, bursting with confidence. He seemed to have a shakiness in his voice. And he said to me, I called you, Hal, for two reasons. First of all, I want to get put on the sermon list. Secondly, he said, I have a brain tumor. And he said, I'm taking radiation treatments. And I assured him that he would be in my prayers, and I was glad he was taking the treatments because I thought they would make him better and that I hoped he would just trust in our power. My friend died about a month later, but he died in complete peace. You see, he had turned it over to God, and he trusted in God, and he died in peace. His panicky storm turned to peace as he traveled with Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, this great German theologian and, and Christian writer, and minister, and Christian. When he was in prison, he wrote letters, and the letters from prison transformed the Christian faith, many of the writings of the Christian faith. And he said one time, he said, I'm sure that God will give us all the power we need in all the times of distress, but he'll never give it to us in advance lest we become dependent upon him, upon ourselves, and not upon him. He gives us the power, but he doesn't want us to become dependent upon ourselves but upon him. And then our own John Wesley was on a ship heading back to England. He'd been in America as a missionary. He was afraid the storm was hitting the ship. Everybody was afraid, except this little band of Moravians. They were not afraid at all. After the storm was over, he went to one of them. He said, were you not afraid? 
He said, why should I be afraid? I know Christ. And then that person looked at Wesley and said, do you know Christ? For the first time, Wesley realized he did not know Christ, but this was what set up his whole meeting, the meeting he had with God at Aldersgate Street on May 24, 1738. 1738. So what are some of the things we believe about God? First of all, we believe God loves us with an enduring love, an enduring love. We believe that God has come to us in Jesus Christ and he'll never desert us. He'll never desert us. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the close of the age. We believe God's adequacy is fully capable of overcoming our inadequacies. I never preach a sermon that I don't first ask God to surround my inadequacies with God's adequacy, and then he does that. And then we believe that God is fully able, fully able to take care of what we've committed to him. Our God is not simply the God of the past. He's the God of the present and the God of the future. And then our God does not want us to live fearful lives. Do you know in the scripture there are more than 366 times when the word fear not appears? 366 times. Lloyd Ogilvy, former chaplain of the United States Senate, he said there's 366, one message fear not per day and one for leap year. And one for leap year. That's a powerful, powerful thought for all of us. So we need to remember. And then secondly, the avenue of our confidence is love. The avenue of our confidence is love. Do something for somebody else. Jesus imparts his love into a fearful heart. The scripture tells us perfect love casts out fear. Now, I have never been able to preach a sermon on that particular passage because evidently I felt like John was trying to say something that I just could not grasp and I could not understand. It's powerful. Nevertheless, I do know that love casts out fear. For instance, a parent will run into a burning building to free their child without fear for their own safety. That's true of a father and of a mother. I remember years ago when my own son was kidnapped in Hillsboro, Texas. I remember that a man pulled him into a country store and put a knife at his throat and kept him there for hours upon hours. The law enforcement agencies got there they were in a standoff. The man was threatening to kill our son. Now, my wife and I didn't know anything about it till it was all over. But thank goodness our son was safe. The law enforcement agency finally had to shoot the man holding the knife at my son's throat. I thought about this time and time again. And I'm really grateful that we didn't know about it until it was over and he was safe. You know why? Because I know that that boy's mother would have gone in that store after him. And I like to think I would have too. You see, love, love always casts out fear. It always casts out fear. And we'll all do anything we can in that kind of situation to help everything. Now, the fact that love casts out fear comes to us most quickly when we realize that love and fear cannot exist in the same heart at the same time. Either love drives out fear or fear drives out love. They cannot coexist. There's absolutely no way. I read a story about a teenage boy who was in a horrible tractor accident. He lost all use of his body except for one arm. He was blinded, and because he had such fear, he was unable to speak. His mother finally took him to the Center for Attitudinal Behavior in California, but the treatments didn't do any good for this young man, none whatsoever. But one day his mother, in a moment of inspiration, saw this little 
brain injured two-year-old child who was pitifully crying, who wouldn't stop crying, and she just picked up that child and put the child next to her teenage son. At first, the teenage son wouldn't touch the child, but then finally he began to pat his head with his one arm. He began to rub his head, and then the little baby stopped crying. A couple of days later, these two were tight, the teenage boy and the little baby. They were so tight that the boy lost his fear, and he began to speak again. You see, love had overcome fear. Love had overcome fear, and it always does. It overcomes fear. The avenue of our confidence is love. The source of our confidence is God. But then there's one other thing here I want us to review, because I think this is equally important. The shield of our confidence is the long view. It's the long view. When Jesus said to his followers, be not anxious about tomorrow, he wasn't telling us to close our eyes to tomorrow. What he was saying was, look beyond the tomorrows. Look beyond the tomorrows and keep on looking. In other words, he was encouraging the long view. The long view. When I first learned to drive an automobile, I remember how it was. I'd put my hand on that steering wheel. I was so careful. I would watch just just over the hood of the car, just looking just over the hood because I was watching for obstacles. I didn't want the car to hit an obstacle. But you know what happened because I was so tense and the car was moving so slow up there. The car would move actually with uncertainty. But when I got a little experience, I began to level off things and I began to cast my vision further up the road, which enabled me to drive more carefully and keep the car between the, the paint better than ever before. That's what Jesus is saying to us. He's saying, I want you to level off your thinking. When you see all of these big obstacles, if you look at all the obstacles of the world today, you'll just see a lot of things that'll make you afraid. But what Jesus wants us to do is take the long view. He wants us to look at today's happenings against the history of happenings. He wants us to look at today's happenings in the midst of the fact that this is the Redeemer created world and that nothing has changed with that. Sure, these are cruel times. But there have been other cruel times when God's purposes still prevailed, even as they will prevail in our time before all of this is over. A soldier was a prisoner of war. They moved him out on a train. They moved him so far from his country and home that he began to lose interest in life. He didn't receive any mail from home. He couldn't know how his country was doing, how his family was doing. And so he was losing all the sense of life. But one day he received a letter. The letter was torn at the edges. It was torn around. It was smudged. It was pretty obvious it had been traveling through many miles. But when he opened it, it changed everything. It did not change his circumstances, but it changed everything because the message inside said, Dear so-and-so, he said, We're thinking about you at home. All is well here. We love you. We're looking forward when you come home. Well, you see what happened this changed everything for the man. He knew somebody was with him. He began to take the long view. The long view is always what helps us and saves us along the road. Suddenly, it's the long view. You know, if you read in the Bible, you read about a city called Dothan. Dothan was surrounded by the Syrian army. Elisha and his servant were inside the city of Dothan. The servant began to despair, but... Elisha prayed for his servant, and then suddenly the servant saw the chariots and the horses of God standing on every mountain. He began to take the long view, and he began to understand. 
Lloyd Douglas wrote The Robe and many other novels. Lloyd Douglas, when he was a steward in college, lived in a boarding house. And there was a man down below him on the first floor that was a retired professional musician who had wound up in a wheelchair. And so each morning, Lloyd Douglas would come down and stick his head in the man's apartment. He would say, what's the good news for today? And each time this music professor in his wheelchair would take his tuning fork and bam it on the wheelchair. And he would say, that's the good news. That's middle C. That's middle C today. That's middle C tomorrow. And that'll be middle C a thousand years from now. The tenor warbles off key. The piano's out of tune. But he said, that's middle C. And it will always be middle C. Let me tell you something, beloved. In a world of instability, we need a, a point of stability. We need a point of stability, and that is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'd like to read again to you as we bring this to a conclusion, the words of the psalmist. Listen, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The word of God for the people of God for all time. Let us pray. Lord, we're grateful again for this day and the opportunity of worshiping together. We're thankful for your word, a word that comes to us to alleviate our fears, a word that comes to us to give us guidance for the living of these days, and a word that enables us to be confident as we move around in the cause of Christ in the world. Thank you again for loving us and for forgiving us. We thank you for the people who are gathered with us tonight. We pray that you would bless them and their families, meet them all at the point of their need, and we'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory. It's in your name. Amen. Thank you very much for joining me again tonight. I trust that you've been blessed, and I trust you'll share the program with other people. Have a good evening. Good night.
Thank you for listening to Dr. Hal Brady, whose television broadcast is seen weekly in Atlanta on the Atlanta Interfaith Broadcasters Network. Dr. Brady's sermons are also available online and ministry updates are posted on Facebook. With your help, we are able to share the gospel online and on the air. So please consider a donation to Hal Brady Ministries. Donations can be mailed to Hal Brady Ministries, Inc., Post Office Box 1367, Decatur, Georgia, 30031, or you can give securely online at halbradyministries.com. We are grateful for your prayers and support and hope you'll continue to partner with us. If you have any prayer requests, please be in touch. Thank you.